filed away and kept any letters that anyone has sent to you, special ones. When I think of that, I think of my dad. Back in the day, my dad uh, traveled a lot. He was working and he wrote a lot of letters and uh, he did very well at it. He was a very good letter writer. And then, uh, as life moved on, someone else's letters uh, took precedence. That was during college days. <laughs> Where letters, you know, you traveled for the college and go all over the United States for groups or camps or whatever in the western United States. And all I could think of was, okay, mail day is coming up and I'd be receiving a letter or a card from Noreen, and I was really excited about that. Well, there's something special there, right? Well, what we've been studying the last couple of months has been a very special letter from a spiritual father to a spiritual son, from Paul to Timothy. And this morning, we wrap it up. We'll wrap up our study in 1 Timothy. So I'd like to have you take your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And as we do that, we need to be reminded again of, here's a quick overview of the letter of 1 Timothy. A letter from a father to a son with a threefold purpose to, number one, warn Timothy about false teachers. Number two, to instruct Timothy about ministry duties within the church. And then thirdly, to educate the people in the church about sound doctrine. And so, the theme of this letter, if you were to take an outline First Timothy, what it ought to look like is that it starts at a point with introduction and here's uh, different ministry duties and such, and it builds to a peak at chapter 3. So turn it back to chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, where you see this. I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of truth. There is the mountaintop of 1 Timothy. Okay? And from there, it kind of goes back down to some repeated themes as we finish off the uh, this last chapter, chapter 6. Okay? And so... He gives, and I've entitled the message, Final Instructions for a Lasting Impression. And this is what we have. Final Instructions for, number one, for the man of God. Okay? And then number two, on, the, on your outline, you can see that. Number uh, two is for the person of wealth or for the rich. And then finally, number three A final word of command to Timothy himself. A final charge given. Final thoughts. So, 
It's like he's, uh, Paul is gathering some final thoughts and putting them together and putting them here at the, at the last part of uh, chapter 6. So, number one, final instructions for the man of God. Brennan, Pastor Brennan had uh, preached last week, uh, verses 1 through 10, where he, there's a lot of discussion and talk about the, the issue of money. Verse 7, we brought nothing into the world. We cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Verse 11, but, here's the man of God, the instructions for him, but flee from these things. So, we have that verse, that phrase, I'm sorry, flee from these things. What's he talking about? Well, the things he's just mentioned. In the, so that's what you do as a good Bible student is you study the context. You see a favorite verse. You see a verse that jumps out at you. You go, wow, that's really good. And you underline it. You highlight it. But the point is, remember, what is the context? And so what is he saying to flee? For the man of God, the man of God needs to flee materialism. Flee. Here's the, the push for the love of money. Okay. Look at verse 5, back in, in, in chapter 6. Um, the constant friction between men of depraved mind and depra- depraved with the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. These are, these are the ones that you want to stay from. You don't want to join them. So, in other words, here's one thing in the context that you want to stay away from, flee from. And the Bible is full of little phrases or pictures, if you will, of people fleeing What's, what's the fir- what is one of the first ones that comes to mind for you? In the book of Genesis. Who do you find fleeing? Well, Joseph fled. And he fled from Potiphar's wife. Okay, Potiphar's wife wanted to have sexual relations with him. And he fled. She grabbed at him, got his, his uh, robe, his coat, and, and he, he ran away. And that's the picture of fleeing, and then in the New Testament, obviously, we have the statement in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Well, this is something that we need to understand. Here's God's will for your life. Flee sexual immorality. Okay? Now, in a good, steady church-attending group like we have here, we say, hey, we don't have any problem with that, right? Don't go thinking that. Take heed, lest you fall. Take heed, my friend. And it's not just a shot at the males, the men in our crowd, because of all the uh, pornographic and uh, visual stuff that can be seen by men. And men, you know, they're like triggered, ready to go, you know, excited and all that towards sexual images. But with women also, different kind of a thing, but same, same issues concern there. So flee, same flee from these things. In the context, what is it? Regarding money. Okay? Riches. Flee from that push. Flee from that. You know, America is, I think, still the richest nation in the world. And so many of us are influenced by the push for wealth. And even if we don't have that, you know what? You, 
as a regular family in little old Fallon, America, we're still wealthy compared to the rest of the world. And it's important that we put it in its perspective and understand we're wealthy. And we need to say, is this under the Lord's leading? Is this area of my life, the issue of finances and wealth, is that under the Lord's lordship? A challenge. Okay? By the way, the word flee, this is really interesting. I I found this very interesting. The word flee is the word fugo. Fugo. Hmm. If you think about that word and how it gets put into English, fugitive. Fugitive. A fugitive is one that's on the run. He's running from something. In in a lot of cases, we're thinking he's running from the law. And he's on the run. Some of us remember the original fugitive TV show, right? Well, this, this is the guy, the original runner. He's on the run from these things. Now, and again, we've gone from here's the context about money and wealth to other areas, sexual immorality. Flee it. You know what else the Bible says to flee? Flee idolatry. Flee idolatry. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. And I mentioned it in Sunday school this morning. By the way, I hope that you can join us. Uh, if you weren't there this Sunday, join us next Sunday in the fellowship hall for uh, this class on membership. Okay? We hope that you'll join us. But this morning, I mentioned about this issue about idol idols. Uh, we can make idols out of anything. We can make an idol out of that music stand if we wanted to, if we were so inclined to. We won't, but, you know, uh, we can make an idol out of money. We can make an idol out of things. We can make an idol out of me or you. We can make an idol out of the, 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 the favorite sports team that we have. All sorts of things. It never stops because we're, we're constantly wanting to put our trust and our love and our pleasure in something other than God. Think about that. And then with that, take Psalm chapter 1 with you. Psalm chapter 1, where it says what? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the way of the scoff, or sit in the seat of scoffers. There's the principle behind what you flee from. You gotta flee from certain things. Run from them. If you're gonna be what? A godly person. It's not just to Timothy, I mean obviously it's to Timothy, he's writing this to Tim- Timothy, but you! contrasting what we just heard, but you, O man of God, you flee these things. You run from them. And just like Psalm chapter 1 says, don't go that way. Don't stand in the counsel of the wicked. Don't walk with them. Don't stand with them. Don't sit with them. But have your delight in what? The law of the Lord. So now, our next point of the man of God, the instruction of the man of God is, here's what you flee from, and letter B, here's what you follow after, or here's what you pursue. 
The idea of pursuing is to press forward towards something. Press towards the, the mark of Jesus Christ. Everyone pursues something. Everyone follows something. Everyone follows someone. We say we follow Jesus. And we need to be challenged in that. We ought to be challenged in that way, my friend. Because we're really good at saying the right thing, at talking the right talk. But the challenge is when I'm walking out there on my own and not in your presence. Same thing with you. When we're out there, whatever day it is, whatever time it is, how are you walking with the Lord? That's what we need to be challenged in. What are you pursuing? A lot of us, you know, we, we get to this age. You know, oh, retirement. Some of you have already retired. And some of you are thinking about it. And what is it that you're thinking? You know, yeah, we've got to save enough for ourselves. Right? I, I'm not questioning that. But sometimes that focus gets too just with the blinders on, nothing else in mind. It's all about, here's what I need. Here's what I've got to do. And we have to take into consideration, what does the Lord want? So what is it that you're following after? What are you pursuing? The Lord wants us to grow in Christ's likeness. So that's what we're pursuing. What does the Holy Spirit desire for your life? Are you reading? Are you learning what He wants? Or are you figuring it out for yourself? We need to have the counsel of the Spirit of God and the counsel of the Word of God to help us in what we pursue in life. Yes, you've got a job to do. Do your job as if God were the boss. Right? Right? You know, and, and do your work as unto the Lord. We need to be encouraged in that way. But what does he say specifically to follow after? Do you know what to follow after according to the word right here? Look at verse 11. But flee from these things, the things he's mentioned, you man of God, and pursue, there's that word, follow after. Follow after what? Righteousness and godliness. Stop right there. There's the, they're the anchors for your life. God's righteousness and God, and godliness. God's righteousness is what he, what we're lacking. And here's godliness is what I take from His righteousness and put it into action in my life. Godly living. Okay? Then, then the next one, faith and love. Here are the attitudes that blossom up from these two anchors. Righteousness and godliness. They're settled. They're driven down. That's what Christ accomplished for me. And here's faith and love that start coming forth. Am I pursuing that in my life? These attitudes? And what are the next two? Perseverance and gentleness. Now it goes from attitudes to actions. Your action of just staying with it. Staying with what? Staying with your focus on Christ. Staying with trusting Him. Living for Him. Honoring Him. And perseverance and or endurance or patience. That's where it's at. Living in that way. Romans 14, verse 19. Romans 14, verse 19 says, Let us pursue 
follow after. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So, with these two, these first two, here's instructions for the man of God to flee from certain things and to follow after certain things. Guess what? They go together. (laughs) They go together. It's not that they're separate things. They go together. Right hand, left hand. Right foot, left foot. They go together. Here's what you flee from. You run away from it. And here's what you follow. So let's wrap it up, this first section like this. Flee the temporal fancies. Flee the temporal fancies of this life. And in particular, here's all the riches and all the wealth that this world can offer. Now, if, I'm not saying it's wrong to be rich. We didn't say that. It's what are you locked into? What are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Are you worshiping money? Are you young person? You're going off to college or you're in college and all that you can think of is getting the big, you know, six-figure salary? Is that what you're locked into? Are you locked into the person of Jesus Christ? So flee the temporal fancies and follow after eternal God-honoring values. That's what we're all about. That's what we're supposed to be all about. I want to be growing in that way. Have I arrived? No. Have you arrived? No. But let's keep going in that direction. Eternal God-honoring values. So I wrap this up by this. Be a good runner. Some of you run. Get out there and run long distance. Well, that's the spiritual picture that Paul's given us here. Flee from this and follow after that. Be a good runner. Okay? All right, here we go. Number two. I'm sorry, letter C. What you fight for. That's what's next. Look at verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Oh, we like that, don't we? Ah, Fight the good fight of faith. You know, we want that as our saying once we leave this earth. He fought the good fight. Well, it's more than just having it as a, you know, a phrase over your tombstone. (laughs) It's actually doing it. And how do you fight? What is it about? Fight the good fight of faith. It sounds great. What am I supposed to fight? Fight the good fight of faith to see this. Faith in Jesus Christ the Lord, that that is what wins in the end. What is it, what's going to win in the end? Well, we say uh, Jesus is one, but what is going to be for you and your life? Will, will it be a statement that Jesus won out in this guy's, in this gal's life in the end? And this can happen as we uphold the Word of God in our lives and not just uphold it literally, but figuratively, I'm applying it in my life. It's being applied in my life. That's how I fight the good fight of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So that's here's a theme of your life, to fight the good fight of faith. Not only that, but... What about the, what's ever happened to the idea of obeying God? What's happened to that? It's like we kind of push that off to the corner and say, oh yeah, yeah, we gotta obey God. But let's love, let's trust Him, let's praise Him. You know what? He really doesn't care about that until you what? Start living in obedience to His Word. 
Okay, I said that. Now, don't get the idea that the more you obey, the better you're off with God. Because Jesus already accomplished what was perfect in His death, in His work at Calvary, in His redemption. So what you need to do is just, here's my faith. I put my faith in Jesus and what He did covers it all. Hallelujah. You don't have to do the ladder climbing brother or sister to get better with God. No, it's a matter of saying, I'm going to walk in faith and trust Him to do His good work and I want to keep responding that way, obeying Him, trusting Him each step of the way in my life. I want to fight the good fight. How else do we do that? And by the way, John 14, 21, mark it down. John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, Oh, Jesus is saying, obey him. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he it is that loves me. See the connection? Yes, you do. We say, oh, we love God. Let's praise God together. Yes, we love, but let's obey him. Obey him. And I need help in that. I need your prayers. I want... You know, we need to be praying for each other in this way that we'd fight the good fight of, of faith. You know what else we do in fighting the good fight? We have to do this. We have to, the old King James Version is mortify the deeds of the flesh. Colossians, write it down. Colossians 3 verse 5. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. We've been told to do that. It's not just something you get to sit around and say, ah, you know, that's for the really serious guys. I'm not into that. You can't, you can't take that, my friend. You can't go that route. You have to join in with what God has given in His will and say, I'm going to walk this way. Why? Because of the grace that's already been shown to me. I want to do this out of love. I say I love Him. Then let's keep going in this direction. Let's keep trusting Him. And you know what? He is faithful. He's going to do His work in your life. He, he is faithful. He's a perfect author. He's going to complete His work in you. Praise God. Praise God for that. But don't just sit off on the side and say, eh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven anyway. Why push? Why bother? No, He wants you to enter in and trust Him. So, the idea, all this can be done and must be done by the power of His Holy Spirit. Out of the reservoir of grace that's there, that's never depleted. It's never emptied out. Think of that. The grace that you need to accomplish whatever God's calling you to do, it's there. My grace is what? Sufficient. Not partial. Not, oh, maybe. No, my grace is Totally sufficient for your every need. So, what are we saying here under fight the good fight of faith? Be a good soldier. You got your armor on? Put your armor on, Christian. And be a good soldier. Fight the good fight. Understand that there's an enemy of God. Understand that there's the load in the problem and the presence of sin. I'm not saved yet from the presence of sin, am I? presence of sin is still amongst us. So fight the good fight of faith. 
mortify the deeds of the flesh, turn away from them. Again, see how this connects with flee and follow? Fight the good fight. Okay. Letter D. What are you faithful to? Look at verse 13 and 14 in your, in your cha- in chapter 6 here. 13 and 14 says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the command without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? What are you faithful to? What are you, what are you faithful in doing? And basically, he's just saying, here's a faithful God. He's there in the presence of our God. He's there wherever you go. He's there. And the fact that he's, he's there ought to bring about more and more of this concept of the fear of God in your life. The fear of God. That's the acknowledgement and the understanding that, you know, God's there. And I want to live for him and honor him. So it, then he says it's about bringing forth a good testimony or having a good confession of faith. I'm going to keep trusting him. Okay. All right. Then letter E, what are you focused on? What you focus on. And this is about praise. When you focus on something, you're, you're locked into something. And now it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll share this. This is a good illustration. You know, if I, if, if Noreen and I had our druthers, you know, we, we'd say, hey, every time we get, we're going to go see the grandkids. And that there's something that we love that we're like, yeah, this is so wonderful. Give us more FaceTime. Um, give us more, you know, quick trips up to Salem or to Phoenix or whatever, you know, all that. Why? Because we love that. And we love to get focused on those little kiddos. Yes! And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you've been there. You, you delight in that. You know what that does? That opens the door to praise. Celebration. Now, do we worship these little, these little sinners? That's what they are. No, you don't. You worship the God who gave life. He gives life to all. You worship Him. And so, it's, it's like Paul can't hold back. And he bursts forth with praise. Right? That's what he does. Look at verse 15 and 16. Which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? And here's a guy that just can't hold back the praise. Why? Paul was focused on God. He was focused on Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. Now, what's my focus? What's your focus in life? And again, I, I admit it. I agree with you. There are a lot of issues that we are facing in life. Uh, bills. Problems with this or that, concerns about my children or my grandchildren or concerns about my job or my future, all sorts of things that I'm concerned about. God wants the child of God 
in the power of the Spirit to rise above that and say, praise God! Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I want to know that what is happening to my life, or to your life, is because God's allowed it to happen. And He's wanting you to reflect Christ-likeness in your life. By saying, thank God. I don't understand it all, but thank God for what He's going to accomplish through this. So, what are you focused on? Paul's focus on God is He's coming back again. He's who He says He is. And He's worthy of the highest praise. This little section right here, I don't know if you can get any better at just hitting the Grand Slam home run with praise to God. He's the Sovereign. He's the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Many times I just sit there and go, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm really depressed about this. I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I've got that, but what kind of a God do I worship? And see, it's all designed, all this is designed to help you and me to rise up in praise. Keep fighting the good fight. Flee from the, the bad stuff. Follow after the fruit of the Spirit the things that the Spirit wants to produce in your life and keep going, trusting Him each step of the way. So, we've had, you know, be a good soldier, hold a good confession, and for letter E, it's about having a good theology. Having a good theology. Some of you guys, you you, got to step up to that, my friend. Have a good theology, meaning just study more about God. It's not going to... Bible school or seminary is just study more about who God is and His character. When you do that, you're going to grow to say, i got to worship God for how great He is. He's awesome. He does His work. He's faithful. He's good. He's holy. He's righteous. And then, more and more, it's going to be where you can't just, you can't hold it back. You just want to praise Him. Okay, number two, we've got to move on. Number two is the person of wealth. Instructions for the person of wealth. The riches. Uh, verse 17, he comes back to this issue because he's already handled it. He comes back to it. He's got to revisit it again. Verse 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. There's the words of warning under your outline, letter 2A. Words of warning. Don't be high-minded. And let's put it this way. All of us are wealthy. No matter what level you're at, all of us are really wealthy. So let's not be high-minded or conceited or arrogant. Recognize that what you have is, whether it's little or a lot, is from God. If you have a lot, it's not because you're such a hot shot. It's great that you have what you have, but understand it's from God. Don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Like who? The rich young ruler. He had his hopes set on the fact, here's his riches. Then letter B. He gives us the words of wisdom. 
Rather, set your hope on God who richly provides. you got to love that, my friend. Who richly provides for who? Who? Us. He supplies for us. All things so that we can be downcast and trodden. What does it say? Lock in on that. What does it say? All things to enjoy. So there's, there's thankfulness happening here. Thankfulness resulting in joy. Thankfulness for what God's provided. Here's joy out of what He's, you know, just the result of it all. Okay? It's a matter of contentment, isn't it? Getting back to that concept there. And then He says, teach them to do, verse 18, look at it, to do good. And here's how. Do good by just being rich in good works. Just keep doing those. Here's the good works. They're not to get you to heaven. That's not what gets you to heaven. But just out of the outflow of love for Christ and what He's done, here's just keep doing good works. I don't, you know, we, we had an example of it here. But you know what, folks? In my time, you know, this, this is one of the first times we've done, well, I shouldn't say that. I've got to think this through here. I'm sure there's been many times that we've demonstrated good works. But this is what we ought to be. He's saying, he's saying what? Be rich in them. Be rich and wealthy in doing good works. Okay? Then he adds on to it. Be generous. Be ready to share. You know, we're supposed to be ready to share the gospel. And so along with that, you know, we want to be ready to share the gospel, but along with that, be ready to share in good, in good deeds. Be alert to those who are in need. Okay? Acts 20, 35, obviously he's saying, Jesus saying it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, I want to shake it up here a little. God wants you to be a liberal. <laughs> right? You're supposed to be liberal. And for those of you visiting, pretty much our crowd in Fallon is conservative, okay? I just had to say that. So be liberal in good works. Okay? Let's do that. And I can be encouraged through this. I was encouraged yesterday, Friday night and yesterday. The more we can do this kind of thing, wow, what a joy in serving Jesus. Okay, got to move. Number three, the closing reminder. He says, he, he, Paul returns to Timothy to say, here's what really matters, and that is that you guard the deposit. And you say, what's the deposit? The deposit is the what? The gospel. Timothy, Pastor Timothy at Ephesus, guard the gospel because there's all sorts of false teachers that you need to guard against. Guard against, letter B, the diversions. Many were under the influence of other teachers who neglected that which was a priority, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they get to talking about stuff. Talk, talk, talk. And Paul describes that talk as what? Verse 20. Oh, Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter. If we don't bring the gospel 
to you here. We're just doing empty chatter. Wah, 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 Charlie Brown. You know, from the comic strip. You know, that's all we're doing. It's just worldly empty chatter. Unless we bring the gospel to you. So, listen, if you aren't right with God, so here's the gospel. (laughs) If you aren't right with God, you will never be set for your future in eternity. The only thing you'll be set for is a separation from God forever. You might be the wealthiest person in the world, but you will die someday. And at that moment, you'll face God and the truth will come out at that moment that you were worshiping money or whatever instead of the one true God. You will come under His wrath. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to be the substitute in your place. And He took the wrath of God on Himself at the cross. That's why He cried out, Why hast thou forsaken me? Because all the wrath of God now has fallen upon Jesus so that you would not have to face that. And you must come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of come to this tradition of church or that tradition or this idea or that concept. Or whatever. No, come to faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Acknowledge your sin. Repent of sin. Turn and flee from that and trust Christ. Put your trust in Christ. He's the only, the one and only worthy substitute. The one and only worthy substitute for your need. And God sent the remedy in His own Son, Jesus. And so apart, listen, apart from Jesus Christ, your sin problem is in Curable. You must come to faith in Christ. Because the problem that you have is totally incurable. And no doctor is going to fix it. No psychologist is going to fix it. No teacher of science is going to figure it out. You are lost before God if you don't come to faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing but the blood will fix the problem. Nothing but the blood. And so that's why we take time right now to remember what He did for us. And you know what the last words from Paul to Timothy are? Look at it. What does it say? The last words from Paul to Timothy. What? Grace. Grace be with you. You know what's interesting about that little line? Paul has changed his talk from Timothy. It's not singular you, it's plural you. I think that's really helpful. He's now saying it to all of you. Grace be with you. And so the drive of your life, what is it? Is it good works? Is it about me? No, it's about him. And this is what grace is about. Doing what you could never have done 
accomplishing what you could never have done and, and saying, this is what leads me on, is God's amazing grace. This is amazing grace. I'd like the men who are serving to come at this time. I'd like for you to be preparing your heart. If you haven't already, prepare your heart for communion.